So it says here, they saw, this is amazing, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, I love this because this fire came and it rested on every single person in the room, every single one of them. Today, I wanna elevate your faith to believe. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I want you to elevate your faith to understand this. God's got your number today. It's not for a select, reserved, elite group of people. It is for every single person that has been washed in the blood of Jesus, every person that calls upon the name of the Lord, every person who has the indwelling spirit of God inside of them, the baptism of the Holy Spirit's for you. It is not reserved for a special group of people. Here's the other thing I think is interesting. It rested on every unique individual. There are things that you're called to do that I'm not called to do. There are places that you go that I could never get into. I'd get clowned. They'd laugh at me. But you can interact with people that I could never interact with. And that's why you need a specific tongue of fire that rests on you for your calling, for your field, for your assignment, for your personality, for your ministry, for the field that God has called you to. Listen, you need to understand this today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for people that, that fold envelopes and stuff envelopes. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for people that write emails and administrate and coordinate and organize and paint and draw and write. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just for preachers. It's not just for quote-unquote spiritual moments. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in raising my kids. A couple weeks ago, I had a situation where my oldest son wasn't doing right in church. And sparing you the details and in the event that 10, 20 years later, he listens to this podcast someday, I'm not gonna embarrass my son, but, but he just, he didn't make wise choices. That's what we say. You did not make wise choices. And mom was actually the one that was up there in Antioch Kids, leading Antioch Kids, and she had to remove him out of the room because he was being such a distraction. And then you know what he did when he got outside of the room? He sat there in front of that glass window like this. Boom, 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 being a distraction. So at the end of service, Chrissy goes, she is fuming. I'm like, what is going on? She's like, yeah, she tells me what Kenya did. So I'm, I'm like, son, load up with me. Everybody else goes with mom. They go home. Son, let's go. You're riding with me. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God, I need wisdom. Spirit of God, I need understanding. Spirit of God, I need to know the key to my son's heart. I need to not beat him and go to prison. Spirit of God, I need to know. I, I, need, to, I need some help. Help me, Lord. Help me right now. And the Lord gave me an idea. He gave me a way to discipline my son that absolutely opened his heart, taught him the lesson, changed his behavior, changed his heart. It was incredible praying the Holy Ghost. Totally, totally the baptism, the infusion of the Holy Spirit right there. Go with me to Acts chapter one. Let's look at a couple of verses and just get some context here. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So just in case you're not familiar, the author of Acts is also the author of Luke. So they wrote the same, they wrote those books, same author, different books. 
until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen after his suffering. He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs he was alive, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' primary message when he walked the earth and ministered? It's the kingdom of God, primary message. Primary, predominant message, everything Jesus taught was somehow centered around helping people understand what the kingdom of God was and how they were to now live in the kingdom of God and to perpetuate the kingdom of God into the earth. And now Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has gone down into the grave for three days. He's resurrected from the dead and he comes back in his resurrected body, still meeting with his disciples, not just the 12, but many other disciples. And what does he talk about? The kingdom of God. He's still teaching these guys about the kingdom. And it says right here on verse four, on one occasion while he was meeting with them, he gave them the command, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. Now, does everybody understand the context here? These guys are guys that have followed Jesus for three years. These guys are guys that have identified themselves with a man who has been crucified, and here's why he was crucified. He's crucified not because he's trying to get everybody right with God and get everybody delivered and forgiven of their personal sin. He's crucified because he is coming and saying, Caesar is not king, I am king, and I am bringing a kingdom to the earth that you are called to be a part of. And these guys are like, whoa, this is dangerous stuff right here. And these guys are associated with the man that was brutally executed and it happened there in Jerusalem. So these guys are like, okay, we wanna get out of Jerusalem as quickly as possible because we're associated with the man that was murdered because he was coming advocating a kingdom. Are we all clear on that context? They're like, let's get out of here. And he's like, don't leave, don't leave, stay here. In Jerusalem, don't go to Galilee where it's safe. Don't go back to your boats. Don't hide out in Nazareth. Don't go to these small little provinces. Stay in this major capital knowing that in 10 days, people from all over the world were gonna come back right there in Jerusalem. Jesus knew that, so he said, you gotta stay here. You gotta wait for the gift. Wait for the gift. Say it with me, wait for the gift. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that is given to us from the Father. Now we understand this in the context of salvation. Salvation is a gift. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is it safe for us to assume, it also says that those of you who believe in your heart that Christ, that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he is the Lord of all, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, man, Jesus was not only Lord, God raised him from the dead. I confess my sin to him. Scripture says you will be saved. Is it safe for us to assume that these men who had followed Jesus, that these men who had witnessed his crucifixion, that these men who had countered him at his resurrection, that these men who had the spirit of God breathed into them, is it safe for us to assume that they were saved? I think it is. 
I think it's totally safe for us to assume that. Let's skip over here. Just turn back a couple of pages and go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And we'll start on verse 19. This is post-resurrection. So this is after the event that was necessary in order for mankind to become saved, to be delivered from the dominion of Satan, to be delivered from the bondage of darkness, and to enter into this new kingdom of life and light. This is post-resurrection. So Jesus shows up, verse 19, John chapter 20, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jews. These guys are freaked out. They are scared. One of Jesus' closest friends straight up denied him. Nope, don't know him. That'd be like Dan. That'd be like us rolling into some mall in, in, in the hood of Birmingham. And he'd be like, I don't know this joker. I am not, I have no idea who he is. That's a true story, but, but he didn't deny me, but we rolled up into this mall, and it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty awesome. It says, they were afraid of the Jews, and Jesus came, and he stood among them, and he says, peace, 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 peace. Isn't it amazing that in every moment when people are afraid, Jesus says, peace. Speaks to fear, and he releases peace. Peace be with you. Verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands, his side. The disciples were overjoyed. When they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. I'm commissioning you. I am awakening you. I have equipped you for three years, and now it's time to go. It's time to be sent into your field with the power of the Holy Spirit for the call that I've given to you to advance my kingdom. Verse 22, and with that, watch this, he breathed on them. Now, does this sound anything familiar to the beginning of humankind's story? Does it sound anything like Genesis chapter 2, where God forms mankind out of the dust of the earth, and then what does he do? He breathes. Scripture doesn't say that he breathed in any other living creature, and yet they had natural physical life. But when he created man, he breathed. He imparted part of his own spirit. He imparted part of his own nature. He imparted the Holy Spirit of God to dwell within the container of man's spirit. Are you seeing that? So mankind is a natural, natural creature, but also a spiritual creature with bios life, biological life, and also zoe life, the life of God, both dwelling together, every single person, in this room and beyond, who has said, Christ Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be in your family. Spirit of God breathes inside of us. That is how we're saved. That, That mark of the Holy Spirit inside of you is what has stamped you that says they now belong to me. Let's just keep reading right here. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter one, what does he tell them to do? Verse four, wait for the gift. Now follow me on this because he just breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So is the gift that he's telling them to wait for, is it the indwelling Holy Spirit? I don't think so. 
that would be a little redundant, right? What is that? The school of redundancy, school, university, technical, college. These guys had already received, and I have to make this distinction, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. i got to make this distinction because I'm disarming a lot of different arguments that people utilize to justify not pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to equip you, but I also want to activate and awaken you today to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says... And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him, having believed, having believed. What is the key to salvation? Believe. Believe. Believe that Christ is who he says he is. Believe that he has done what he says that he has done. And you will be saved. Look at this. You were marked in him with a seal. What is that seal? the indwelling Holy Spirit. So do you need to speak in tongues in order to be saved? Absolutely not. Can you speak in tongues if you are not saved? Absolutely not. So in order to receive the baptism, in order to receive the gift that the Father promised, you first must receive the first gift which is the gift of salvation, the gift of the indwelling, abiding Holy Spirit, taking residence up in our spirit. So let's go back to Acts chapter one, verse four. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift, the gift. There is a gift. I have something that I have for you that you do not have yet. But yet you do have the spirit of God dwelling in you. Are you seeing this? So then he says here in verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized. You will be baptized. You will be immersed. You will be submerged in the Holy Spirit of God. Now, contextually in that day, when we hear baptism, it's it's a word that is used strictly in a religious context, in a spiritual context. In that day and age, culturally, the word baptized was a very normal word that very simply meant to submerge something. So people there that worked with dives and clothings, they would, they would take articles of clothing and they would baptize their clothing into dye. They would baptize their clothing into dye They would submerge their clothing until that clothing then took on the nature and the character and the characteristics and the visibility of that which it was submerged or baptized into. What's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That we get so submerged into the dye of the Holy Spirit that when we come out, it is demonstrably different. My personality is saturated in the dye of the Holy Spirit. My mind is saturated in the fire of the Holy Spirit. My tongue, my heart, my attitude, my emotions, my past is saturated in the fires and in the river of the Holy Spirit of God. This is the gift that he's talking about. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the gift. So watch what happens, verse six. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, I've never saw this before. 
because I've never been talking and thinking and reading about the kingdom as much, but why in the world are you asking him about the kingdom when he just told you, I'm gonna baptize you in the river of fire? Why is that? It don't make no sense unless it does make sense that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely catalytic and critical to the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth. So these guys are asking questions about restoration of Israel. These guys are asking questions about kingdom come, and he goes right back. Look right here at verse seven. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set, verse eight, but you will receive power. Don't interrupt me. Are you seeing this? He's like, guys, Wait for the gift. Guys, you're gonna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Guys, John baptized with water. I baptized with fire. I baptized with the Holy Spirit. When's the kingdom coming? You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You, you are going to receive power. The church of the New Testament, the church that births the kingdom, the church of Jesus started in the fires of the Holy Spirit. They suffered persecution. They suffered opposition. They suffered a culture that was anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-family, just like today. And they needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit to withstand the oppression and the persecution and the opposition and the cultural paganism of that day. And if they need it, we need it. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Critical. That same man that denied Jesus after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what he did? He stood up to a group of 3,000 and preached the fire of God. Coincidence? Not coincidence. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Empowerment for the call of God on our lives. Listen, whatever that call is, it's not just a quote-unquote spiritual call. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the military. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in our schools. Dear God, we need it in our schools. Go, to me, go with me at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, again, this is the context here. Jesus is now ending his journey on the earth. This, this conversation he has was just just days before his crucifixion and resurrection. And here he is instructing his disciples about the most important things that they need when he leaves. And here's what he talks to them about. John 14, 15, and 16, it's all about Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. John 14, and let's pick it up right here in verse, in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, there is so much that's inside of that. Let's just start with this. You don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you ask for it. You don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you qualify for it. You don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you're good enough for it. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus asked the Father, and the Father, on the basis of the work of Jesus, grants the request of Jesus to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit in response to the request of a perfect son. So just like everything in Christianity, it's not about my goodness or my works by which I'm saved. And it's also not about my goodness or my works by which the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes to my life. Which is great news for every one of us in this room. If you are a follower of Christ, you are a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Look at verse 17. He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You know him. Now, here's the beautiful thing in John chapter 14. The beginning verses of John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm about to take off. I'm about to go to the Father. And they say, show us the Father. And what does Jesus say? Dude, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And then he says this. Then he says, you know the Holy Spirit. So basically, Jesus is saying, if you know me, you know the Father and you know the Holy Spirit. And then he says right here, he says that the Spirit of God, you know him, for he lives with you, with you. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, Jesus occupied the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he was selfish about it. He ain't share Holy Ghost with nobody. For his earthly ministry, for him to do what he was called to do, to raise the sick, to cleanse the leper, to multiply bread 5,000 times over, and for him to die for the sins of humanity, he needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I have a theory here, and my theory is that when Jesus was baptized with water, we find in Luke chapter four that as soon as Jesus was baptized in water and heaven opens and God speaks over his life, scripture says that Jesus now, Luke 4, 1, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. My theory is that when Jesus was baptized with water, he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus says. He goes, guys, it's good for you that I go away. Because unless I go away, you can't walk in what I walked in. Unless I go away, you can't have the indwelling spirit or the empowering spirit upon your life. And for this thing to live beyond one generation, you need both. You need the Holy Spirit to live in you, and you need the Holy Spirit to come on you in power. But watch the language here. This is very, very, very important. He says, you know him for he lives with you. So this entire time that I've been walking amongst you, ministering together, cracking jokes, eating fish by the fire, this entire time the Holy Spirit has been, what's the preposition? With you, with you, together, side by side, with you. He says, but the Holy Spirit will not just be with you any longer. Where will he be? He will be in you. You see the difference there? See, Jesus occupied the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so the very best that you could do is make sure that you're around Jesus. Because if you're not around Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not with you. But when Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit down, guess what? The Holy Spirit is now in you. He's in you. He's not just with you, outside of you, external to you. He's inside of your very spirit. Scripture says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ himself in the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You never have to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. He's in you. But there is a work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. And I caught this this morning. I've never seen this before. It's a prophetic picture of the kingdom that has come and the kingdom that has to yet come. The spirit of God that dwells inside of us is, 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 is similar to this, the kingdom of God that has come. It is here. The kingdom is on the earth. But yet the 
baptism of the Holy Spirit coming upon you is related to the kingdom of God that is coming in its fullness. Look with me, if you would, at Acts. I want to just go to a couple of, uh, let's, let's start with chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So I'm really trying to help you understand that the indwelling Holy Spirit that comes upon our belief in Jesus The indwelling Holy Spirit that marks us for salvation is different. It is a different function than the empowering Spirit that baptizes us for mission and for assignment and for power and for wisdom and for grace and all the things necessary for our ministry in the earth. Are you catching that today? No, you're not. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we start with a guy by the name of Philip. And Philip is one of the guys that served, he served as a deacon. He served in children's ministry, usher, set up, tear down. That was Philip. That's where he got trained in ministry. That's where he got proven. That's where he got qualified. And then he gets launched after persecution. He goes into Samaria, and in Samaria, he's casting out devils. He's preaching the kingdom and powerful things that are taking place. Now watch what happens in verse 14. He goes to Samaria. People are getting saved People are giving their lives to Jesus, and it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. What is that a phrase that's for? Accepted the word of God is a phrase for salvation. So Samaria, people in Samaria are now saved. They're delivered from the dominion of darkness, and the the spirit of God dwells inside of them, and they hear about this. Watch what happens. It says, so they sent Peter and John to them, and when they arrived... They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. You just said they accepted the word of God. You just said that they're saved. You just said that the kingdom of God has come, or could it be that the indwelling presence and abiding reality of the Holy Spirit in us is something different than the baptism and the gift that Jesus says, wait for this very gift that my Father promised. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into what? Which is relative to salvation. They accepted the word of God. They believed. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Guys, listen, they were saved. The Holy Spirit dwelled inside of them, and the apostle says, it's not finished. The apostle says, we have to go all the way from Jerusalem, walk all the way to Samaria because there's something yet that is necessary to your ministry in Samaria. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw, now watch this, this is interesting. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of hands, he offered the money. How did he see? How did he see that? See, because I could walk up here and pray a prayer and Christ and his kingdom could fill my heart in that moment and you would never know, right? I mean, you may see me crying or you might, but uh, you know, you, you would never know otherwise. But here's the thing, in Acts chapter two, now, you gotta imagine this context. Jesus is saying, wait, 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 wait. They have no idea how long they're waiting. He says, wait for the gift. They have no idea what the gift is. They've never seen it before. How do we know when we get the gift? Oh, trust me. Trust me. When the gift comes, you're going to know. Because y'all going to be and everyone around you is going to be, be hearing the wonders of God in their own language. You'll know. 
So here, there is a visible manifestation that takes place that they go, oh my goodness, you got something that you didn't have before. You got something, it is visible, it's demonstrative. Let me just show you one more passage of scripture in Acts chapter 19, then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 19, very similar story, but now instead of John and Peter, it's the apostle Paul, and we're going to begin in verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? When do we receive the indwelling mark of the Holy Spirit inside of us? When we believe. This is a dumb question. Unless the receiving of the Holy Spirit actually refers to something other than just the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us, something I like to call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I read this article just yesterday, and this fundamentalist was essentially trying to say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was exactly the same as us receiving the indwelling Holy Spirit. Then that makes a lot of stories and a lot of scriptures very peculiar. Why? Why are these apostles and these men of God asking people if they receive something they've clearly already received? So it says right here, they answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Sound, oh, uh, sounds familiar. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Great job. But he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that's in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Were they saved? I totally emphatically believe that they were saved. They believed in the name of Jesus. They're baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I got more stories, but we ain't got enough time. You have to understand one of the one of the classic arguments here is, hey, you don't you know, this whole these charismaniacs, these guys are these wild holy rollers. You don't you know, this it's all the same. It is not the same. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you when you say yes to Jesus is there to mark you. And I could take you through teaching after teaching on the differences of the functions. Same Holy Spirit, different function. The indwelling Holy Spirit is there to guide you. The indwelling Holy Spirit is there to give you peace. He's there to comfort you. He's there to give you counsel. He's there to lead you into all truth. But the empowerment of the Spirit is to raise you up as bold as a lion to confront spirits of darkness, to stand in the midst of religious persecutors and say salvation is found under no other name under heaven and earth but the name of Jesus. You decide for yourself what is right. I'm telling you, when things shake down, like a lot, like a lot of people think, they're going to shake down. You're going to want more than just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You're going to want more than just peace in the midst of troubled waters. You're going to want power to stand in the midst of your persecutors. You know, the interesting thing is a lot of denominations, there's actually denominations that tell their missionaries, you cannot go out on the mission field if you say that you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't believe that. 
It's written in their bylaws. I have friends of mine who are turned down from being long-term missionaries because on their application it says, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with manifestation of speaking in tongues? They said yes, they said no. But here's what I'll tell you. God honest truth, I've met with missionaries all around the world from different denominations. You know what? They're all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because they're confronting demons. Because they know that they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't advance the kingdom with a safe, just, just, we're going to just have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You must have the immersion. You must have the fullness. You must have the baptism. Now listen, it doesn't mean you're a second-rate Christian. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. But listen, in the analogy here, if I had the choice between a nine millimeter or a semi-automatic, man, when Jesse got married, I shot, what did that thing, what was that thing, M5? I shot an M5, I'm like, are you kidding me? Hey, listen, if you want, an, if you want a nine millimeter that you gotta reload every nine, that's fine. But you know, I want, I want, the, I want the semi-automatic. I want the thing that's gonna tear demons apart. I want the thing that's gonna make me a threat. That's what I want. Somebody asked Reinhard Bonnke. You guys know who Reinhard Bonnke is? Great preacher. Preached to millions at one time. Millions in Africa. Here's what they say. Reinhardt, how come God never uses me like he uses you? And Reinhardt's like, oh, it's a tough question. How do I answer this? And then he says, you know, and God gave him a picture right there. He says, if you have two ovens that are in your house and you, and you want to make something, you want to cook something, and there's an oven that's in your house that is hot, and there's an oven in your house that's cold. He goes, which oven are you going to use? Your spirit is a furnace. Your spirit is a chimney. Your spirit is a fireplace. And it's designed to house the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's designed for. Now, if you're trucking along in your Christian life and you're bored or you're apathetic or you're complacent or you're going, is this all there is to it? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the fire of God to burn in the furnace of your spirit, man. You need it. It's absolutely critical. And that prophetic word that that bishop gave to me as a 16-year-old boy when he said, son, for the thing that God's called you to do, you need to have this. That wasn't just me. That's every single Christian that calls himself upon the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I need everybody in this room getting into faith with me. Because if you're here today, oh man, I'm so excited. One of my favorite things to preach on. If you're here today, listen, this will change your life. This will change the entire trajectory of your Christian walk. If you're here today, I want you to just, say, just, just analyze this. If you have never received your spiritual language, if you find yourself in situations, how many of you guys find yourself in situations that are way beyond, way beyond your spiritual understanding all the time? Hey, if you're not in those situations, what are you doing? Come on, do something. Get involved. If, you, if every situation you're involved in, you got all the goods for it, man, you're not living. You're not. You're not engaging nothing. You're playing it safe. You're not risking anything. You're not advancing the kingdom. That's the truth of the matter. If you got it all figured out, you need to get out the boat and walk on water. You need to put yourself in a situation where if God don't show up, you're going to drown. I got to clarify this nowadays. Don't literally get out and try to walk on water and drown because I have a lawsuit on me. It's a figurative expression. If 
you never prayed in tongues and there is something inside of you that goes, oh my God, I need that. If you've never been, if you can't definitively say, I've been baptized in the power of God, the fire of God burns in my belly. I pray in tongues, Paul says, more than all of you guys. That joker was praying in tongues all the time if you've never prayed in tongues and you want to. If you never received your spiritual heavenly language, if you never had that access to the mysteries of God that happen within the realm of our spirit by the direct transaction of God's spirit overflowing out of our spirit. Jesus says this, he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, not just a cup, not just a bucket. They will flow out of you. They will flow out of you. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you need it. It's critical for your assignment. It's critical for the kingdom. If you found yourself in situations you don't know what to do and you've never prayed in tongues, guys, you know what I do? I pray in the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because the scripture says I'm praying mysteries that only God can interpret. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep preaching until somebody walks up here in the front. This is your time. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what? Let's do it like this. Let's do this family style. Let's do this buffet style. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, lift your hands up right now. Lift your hands up. Guys, listen, this is a, woo, come on. I love it. Come on, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right, now guys, listen, this is an activating house. This is an activating house. Let me give you some tips real quick. Number one, everybody who's around you, I want you to I want you to ask them. I want you to ask them if they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they are in the family of God. If they've repented of their sin and they're in the family of God by virtue of the blood of Jesus. That's step one. Because you cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you've not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Okay? Number two, this is what Jesus what this is what Jesus says. If you want the Holy Ghost, you know what you need to do? Ask. That's it. Jesus, say it with me. This is so beautiful. Say, Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Jesus, would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Now watch, here's, this is the big thing. This is where everybody gets stumped, particularly people that are a little bit more mental or cerebral because the scripture says, when I pray in my spirit, my mind is unfruitful. So if you're sitting here trying to calculate every word that comes out of your mouth, the Spirit will give you utterance, but you know who the one who is speaking? It's you. It's you. You're the one who will speak in in heavenly languages as the Spirit of God will give you utterance. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen in the ear of your spirit, and you will begin to hear the language of the Spirit. And when you hear that, you just simply speak what you hear. Speak what you hear. You may hear speak it out. And you know what'll happen? That river inside of you, oh man, it'll just start to gain momentum. I want everybody who raised your hands just to raise your hand up one more time so that those around you can see. All right, friends, family, I want you to introduce yourselves and I want you to leave these guys.